What's going on? This is Jay Ellis from the Nick of Time Show. Here to give you that Nick's talk just in the Nick of Time. And we're here just to talk about this Nick's loss to the Hornets. The Knicks got their 10-game winning streak hopes snapped to the lowly Hornets. We lose 112 to 105. Randall gives you 16 points and three assists. RJ Barrett though gives a he shows you a heartbeat and drops 27 points and six rebounds. The block nest monster Mitchell Robinson gives you 14 points and eight rebounds. Grimes chips in with 12, quickly chips in with 14, but the Knicks ultimately lose. They didn't really score in the fourth quarter, only scored 16 points in the fourth quarter had loads of trouble rebounding the ball and to me just didn't really take this game as seriously as they take other games but we're really gonna talk about it all all right but uh you know what before we talk about it all you already know the deal shout out to fubu tv okay if you want to watch the knicks for free for seven days go to fubutv.com slash kot i don't know that is fubutv.com slash kot and if you watch the show if you love the show if you haven't subscribed yet hit that like and subscribe button now let's get to it all right let me introduce you to my guys first and foremost it is the man the myth the legend the guy with the stats and the facts ryan g's in the building it's a tough loss you know the Charlotte Hornets as a kind of like a trap game for the Knicks. Yeah. You know, sometimes it's hard to come to, you know, get your energy up for the games against those teams that are like near the bottom. But like I said, it happens. And RJ Barrett fans, I come in peace. I come in peace. <laughs> <laughs> we don't want no smoke. We don't want nobody getting smacked today. Become in peace, RJ Barrett fans. All right. <laughs> uh, next, you already know this man. It is the last in Assassin. ESPN contributor, you know, posting and toasting contributor, dead spin contributor. Lee Escobedo, what's going on, Lee? What's up, man? Not getting too high, too low on this game. I think you know, the streak was bound to end at some point. I'm trying to, to to keep calm and collected on this one. Positive note, RJ Barrett balled out. Didn't shoot well from three, but shot well from the rest of the field. So I'm going to hang my hat on that and be happy that, that Bodman and Barrett finally came out for a good game. Exactly, exactly. The Bodman picked his, picked his head out a little bit today. And got to give it up for our special guest. All right. My man has been every sportscaster. He's been on SNY, CBS Sports, Emmy-nominated Chris Williamson. Oh, what's going on? What's up, baby? How y'all doing? How y'all doing? Hey, look, man, I was ready when I was told or when we agreed that this was going to be the game that I was going to come on the show for. I was like, oh, bet. Instant W. <laughs> nice. Way that first half play, I said, oh, yeah, we really about to, you know, turn it up. And then that third quarter, bro, it was like they just ran out of gas from all those, you know, high octane games, you know, a couple games before. Uh, but it's a pleasure to be on here. Really blessed. 
Uh, and like Lee said, I'm not getting too high or, or I'm not getting too low on, on this loss. Like we knew they were not, not going to do win, you know, like 15 straight games. So it's better that it's in and now. I get yeah, yeah. Fire tips. I'm just, I'm joking. I'm just, I'm just, nah, <laughs> nah, we ain't talking about that right nah, now. Bro. Nah, bro. I'm joking. I'm joking. I'm joking. I'm joking. I'm joking. <laughs> <laughs> but man, but let me. I'm gonna get your thoughts on the game first. So, where, where do you think that we really went wrong? Uh, and you can also talk about what you think even went right if you want to go with it. Well, you know, on the first half, they were playing great. You know, sharing the ball they were leaning on rj barrett he had the hot hand like lee said you know he didn't shoot particularly well from three but he did have one i think he had one three in the first half that i think really set him off and he came alive um and then you had josh hart who has been playing so fantastic for this team his ability to drive and draw defenders then kick it out even drives the basket and put it up but here's what happened in the third quarter guys they started to revert back to some of their old ways yeah julius Randle played too much Hero ball wasn't able to control it. They the out rebounding, um, the fact that Hornets were out rebounding them in the third quarter, that's what really stuck out to me. Yeah. Like it was like they got five offensive rebounds in one possession, and the Knicks were just completely gassed. Um, I think they just ran out of steam, honestly, uh, because they looked great in the first half. I think that adrenaline from all those victories, but in the second half, they kind of came back down to life. It was like, okay. Yep, uh, this might be one that they, they're not going to get, um, even though, you know, it is a Charlotte Hornets team that does not have LaMelo Ball. Yeah, this was one of those, you know, you got to respect the game or the game will disrespect you. I think the Knicks got really high, scoring 45 points in the second quarter and thought, you know what? We can turn it on and off when we want to. We can take a couple of plays off. Be up 16. What's the big deal? We got Julius Randle, and it just didn't really come together when they decide to try to turn it on. Um, I don't know, but Ryan G, what you think? Um, I mainly agree with what Chris said. Like, I feel like I didn't see like a attitude where it was like, you know, we could turn it on and off when we want. Like, I feel like the Knicks played pretty good all game. I just think what happened was they ran out of gas because a lot because I did see that they did kind of revert to their old ways a bit. Like yeah. on a lot of possessions, there's either too much dribbling or I feel like there was too much passing, as opposed to just you know getting into the Florida offense and things of that nature. And I also thought that a lot of it was just the Hornets just making shots because I felt I felt the Knicks played decent defense throughout the second half, but. Rozier was knocking in shots. Hayward was knocking in shots. Uwe was knocking in shots. And a lot of those shots were contested, in my opinion. So I was, so I think it was just a matter of the Hornets just knocking in their shots and the Knicks running out of gas. But in the first half, the Knicks definitely put it on them. They just couldn't, they just couldn't hold up. And the third quarter like defense to me. Tonight. I don't know about huh? the, the defense in the third quarter. I don't know. Well, what do you think, Lee? Well, they said this was a trap game, as Ryan mentioned, Monka Manut mentioned in, on uh, MSG, and I'm reporting life I'm a trap right now, so it seems appropriate that we lost this game. <laughs> uh, you know, the Charlotte Hornets, I think, 1 through 15, probably have the least amount of talent in all of the NBA, even though they're only the fourth worst team in the NBA right now with the fourth best odds of uh, landing Victor. They actually have like, very little talent. With ball out, it's even worse. Yeah. But what they do have are vets – they take the game very seriously, have played on really good teams in the past and have high ego and a lot of pride and aren't 
really keen on being embarrassed by a team looking for their 10th win in a row. And I think those three guys specifically, Kelly Oubre Jr., Gordon Hayward, and Terry Rozier, really took it to the Knicks. Um, and the nine-man rotation that Tibbs has been playing was completely gassed, yeah. especially you know, quickly, I think, played damn near like 52 minutes in that double overtime win to Boston. I don't think he's set after the first quarter. This would have been the time. And no, I'm not bringing the fire tips outside. But this would have been the time to lengthen the rotation a little bit. Yes. I would have even been happy if Randall would have set. Yes. Obi would have started. But, you know, the thing I look at, I, I blame this loss on Tibbs. And it doesn't mean that he's a terrible coach. Just every every loss and every win is a primary player that you point to or person that contributed the most toward that event happening. And with Obi Toppin only playing 13 minutes and Deucer Blyde only, McBride only playing 13 minutes, that's a travesty. Uh, toward a team that was really, really tired and exhausted for handling a very tough Boston Celtic team at, in their own arena. This would have been the time to expand the rotation a little bit and let Toppin and McBride get more minutes. McBride looked to be active out there. He wasn't yeah. hesitating. He was looking for a shot. And I think if he would have gotten more reps in the second half, you might have seen the percentage uh, uh, shooting go up a little bit and let him develop some two-man game with Obi and let him cook out there. Now let's see some more Sims. Let's see some Hartenstein. I think Mitch, Randall, and RJ – should have got a little more rest in the second half, and Tibbs should have trusted deeper into his bench. No. Yeah, yeah, you like you could just see it, Lee. Sorry, don't interrupt. You can no, just no, see, no, hey. Like you can just see the the lack or the um, energy just you know zap right out of those three guys. Where you talk about the defense, Jake. Like, yeah, there was a couple plays, or there was one play in particular where Charlotte got the rebound off a miss, and Julius Randle, Mitchell Robinson are just looking at each other, whatever, yes. like. And Terry Rozier, I think, hit the three um, in the third quarter. It's like, all right, it, it's got to be the the hangover from the Celtics win yeah, and the Miami win because this is not what we're used to seeing from Julius um, and Mitchell this season, right? Maybe right. years prior. But, yeah, that's that's what really stood out to me. Yeah. Agreed. And even IQ. I, when's the last time you've seen IQ just stand there? On offensive rebound, this guy, I just saw a stat that said he ran 3.98 miles, the most minutes ran in the NBA game this season. Like, <laughs> and just to go from that to seeing him just stand there and watch the ball just bounce like an arm and a half lengths away from him was shocking to me. I think that's exactly when Tom Thibodeau took him out the game and put yep, Miles McBride right. in because he was like, okay, this is, this is, this is not quickly like, but like Lee said, this should have been happening with Julius Randle as well and Mitchell Robinson as well. This is the time to go deeper in your bench. And like Lee said, you know, this is Tibbs criticism. He's done a phenomenal job this year. This might have been the time to adjust a little bit. Just a, just a little bit. Just just a tad. Stretch, stretch those 12 Obi minutes to like 16, 17. Don't play everybody the full third quarter, you know, you know, but I'm not going to complain too much because we, we hear nine game winning streak. The 50 burger is still alive. You know, the 50 burger is still alive. So the gunshots are in there. All right. But yeah, salute song. to the chat. Salute to the chat. Shout out to Alexander, Fritz Alessandor, Roberto Rivera, Jr. Picks for Timmy. Gamers channel, man, child, everybody else is rocking with the KOT show. If you like the show, hit the like and subscribe button. And um, yeah, we're here after every game talking Knicks. So salute to you guys who are here after a Knicks loss because y'all real Knicks fans and real MVPs. All right, cool. Um, 
But let's talk about RJ Barrett real quick. Because RJ Barrett, um, he had two games where he scored pretty well. You know, 28 the game before, 27 today. Didn't really shoot well from three, 10 to 24 from the field. Um, it's interesting the dynamic of the team with Brunson out and RJ getting more touches. I'm starting to feel like, you know, maybe he hasn't adjusted to being the third option. I don't know. What do you guys think? What do you think, Chris? Like, because it's just back to back over 20 point games. Yesterday was a little bit more efficient, but it just seemed like he was more well rounded in decision making today. You feel like today he was more well rounded in his decision. Yeah, for the most part. Yeah, for the most part, I think he was really aggressive. And yeah, you look at the um, you know field goal amount of field goals he had compared to the amount of points. All right, twenty four shots, right, twenty seven points. But that's sometimes what you're going to need um, when Jalen Brunson is out of the game. And I just felt like he looked very comfortable in the flow of offense, understanding, look, our 1A, 1B, whatever you want to call him, uh, is not here, so I got to pick up the pace. And that was working well for them. It looked like he was, you know, on his way, you know, to having like maybe a a 40-point game. Um, But then some shots just – they just didn't fall. Yeah. You know, I think Jamie – I think Ryan made the point about how, you know, they didn't play that bad overall. And offensively, there were some, you know, mishaps and all that. But some of them were just the shots didn't go in. They were good shots, but they just weren't going in. And sometimes that's the way it falls for uh, for your team. Yeah, I don't know. What does it say about the fit with RJ? Like, does it is it just like he has to get used to being the third option? Because I don't know. Like today, when I saw how he balanced passing the ball today, mixed with the shooting. I was a lot happier with the shot selection today and yesterday. Um, so I don't know, man. I don't know. Maybe it's just really hard for three players or a ball dominant to kind of average 20 and not kind of just over dominate at times. I don't know. But I don't know if you guys have any thoughts on that. What do you think, Lee? Yeah, I think he's adjusting a little bit more to his role. I, I think the spacing is getting a little bit better, too. Hart has added a lot more um, space in that second unit that he's leading. And I think Tibbs is trusting him to be the number one option on that bench unit, which allows him to be paired with better shooters than that starting lineup. And he, you don't have the overlap between him, Brunson, and Randall, who are all three looking for the same spots in the mid-range. Now he's playing with Hartenstein, who's great passing out of the high post. you got Josh Hart and IQ, who are great corner shooters. I think it, just, it opens up the lanes for him to have more scoring opportunities and use a bit more of his on-ball ability um, running with, with that second unit opposed to with, with the first. Um, so, you know, kudos to him, man. I think he's playing good defense, too. Yeah. I, I don't hang any of the loss on him, even though he was poor from the, the perimeter. I like the effort. Um, he he seems to be in really good shape this season. He was one of the few players up there who didn't let gas and continue pl- trying to play really tough defense all the way to the fourth quarter. I thought he really outplayed Grimes tonight, too. I thought Grimes kind of struggled um, tonight r- containing Kelly Oubre Jr. And, and Hayward on the perimeter. Uh, two guys a little bit bigger and stronger than him. So RJ played the best of anyone on the team. Um, maybe him and Mitch. I thought Mitch played really well, too. You know, he got out-rebounded. Yeah. But he was really looking for a shot. He seems sky-high confidence-wise on the offensive end. I like seeing quickly find him a few times. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, um, 
it's, it's just a theory. Like, I don't know if this is really the case, but it could be a case that why RJ Barrett's putting up more points when, you know, Jalen Brunson's out as opposed to when Jalen Brunson's in the game and him playing as a third option. It might be a case of because, you know, when he's playing with Julius Randle and Jalen Brunson, he's a third option, which means he gets less shot opportunities. So when he, so when he finally gets the ball and has the opportunity to make something happen, I think a lot of times he might look at those possessions and be like, you know what? Let me score on these possessions because I don't know, you know, how many times I'm, I'm really going to get to shoot the ball when I'm on the court with both Julius Randle and Jalen Brunson, as opposed to now where he's like the second option. He's like, you know what? I know I'm going to get more opportunities. So besides scoring the ball, let me play make a bit more. I'm just throwing a theory out there. I don't know if it's really true or not, but overall, RJ Barrett, he had a good game tonight. Um, I felt like... You know, usually we criticize RJ Barrett. Sometimes when he drives to the basket, he has tunnel vision. And he forces up shots as opposed to like taking his time. He definitely took his time tonight. Yeah, yeah, he yeah. definitely took his time, probed the paint. You know, I guess I think he he found like Hardenstein and Mitch on a couple passes in the paint for easy dunks, and he was just taking his time with the floaters, getting to the basket. Good energy tonight. You know, if RJ Barrett plays like this when Julius Randle and Jalen Brunson is actually playing. You know, like Lee said, this Knicks team becomes hard to beat when RJ Barrett when RJ Barrett puts up performances like he put on tonight. But the thing is that you know he's not really consistent. But I'm glad to see that you know he put on the performance he did tonight, and it's it's encouraging the last two games. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I just kind of feel like um, sometimes when people are injured, people somebody else finds their rhythm. Emmanuel quickly has been that guy for Jalen Brunson. You know, Jalen Brunson's down, and man quickly's following, finding his rhythm. He found it earlier when Jalen Brunson went down. But I kind of feel like RJ Barrett is doing that subsequently as well. So sometimes when somebody goes down, somebody else steps up, and it kind of helps us down the line in the future in the playoffs. So I'm hoping this helps jumpstart. RJ's decision making offense moving forward because you know Brunson should be back soon. He's only been day to day. Um, so I, I would keep an eye on that because we're gonna need RJ in the playoffs when they're doubling on Brunson and they're doubling on Julius Randle because that's absolutely what's going to happen. I don't know if you have anything to say, Chris. I feel like your energy wants to jump in. No, nah, I'm just saying for me, I just want to say, like, yeah, I think it's a great point about you know, when somebody's down. Somebody else can step up and find the rhythm. And what's really important is if they can carry that same type of rhythm over to when, you know, Jalen Brunson or the other star player is in, because it gives you that confidence and you got to understand, look, okay, I might be the third option, right? Uh, but I know I'm going to get my touches and I don't need to force the issue. Right. Because I have two great players next to me. Two all-stars. I know Jalen didn't get it, but he was deserving. So some of all-star. He's my all-star. Uh, you know, um, he's really, you know, increased the the ceiling um of this team, I feel like. Absolutely. And yeah, I, I just think RJ needs to realize his his fit um when when Jalen comes back. And that can be difficult because of the the pride and the confidence that you have in yourself. But you know, as PG said the other day, it was like yeah, I know I'm not going to be, you know, the guy on a championship team. And some people say it's stupid. But for me, that shows, you know, awareness. Like, okay, I don't have to be the guy. Other people can take the load. I can still get mine. And I think uh, with RJ, you know, he just has 
you know, some more growing to do and he's still young, but uh, yeah, I'm hopeful we're able to see some really great games from him when Jalen's in the lineup and all three of them, Jalen, Julius and RJ are, are clicking the lefties show. Yeah. Chris, uh, I got a question for you, Chris. I mean, yeah. it's, it's good to have someone who's outside of the Knicks echo chamber uh, on the pod and to have someone yeah. that covers the NBA at large objectively without preference. Uh, I wanted to ask you, like, where do you see the Knicks on their trajectory toward contending? Do you think that we're further away than most Knicks fans think that we are? Um, I, I was saying 50 burger before your season starts. I think Eastern Conference Finals is very doable. Do you think that's kind of a delusional take? Do you see us on the same level as, as a Sacramento? Do you think we're on, on the same level at, at another East Conference, a West Conference team, but at Denver? Like, where are we and what, what kind of player do we need to help vault us to be a real contender in the NBA? Ooh, that, that's, a great, that's a great question. Um, you know, I do think they're, they're similar in terms of the, the momentum or the surprise that, they, uh, that they've had, surprise season that they've had, um, like the Kings, right? I don't expect them to contend for an Eastern Conference Finals. I think, you know, Sixers, Milwaukee, Boston, they're – there are two tiers above them, but I will say this, Lee, the Knicks have definitely surprised me and made me eat my words from the beginning of the season. I was like, this team is going to be a playing team. Mm-hmm. Like they are going to make the playoffs, but they're going to be a playing team. And now we see them shoot up the rankings, shoot up the seating. And I feel like, you know, if they could get, it's tough because everybody wanted Donovan Mitchell and all that. I think they need another you know, really great uh, shot-making guard. You can never have enough shot-making, right? Because mm-hmm. this game is about shooting. Um, and so if I had to put my my pin, my cap on and think about who they would get, um, somebody that would be available, it's um, a good question. You know, I don't, I don't know the answer to that right now, but when we come back, and we have another time, I will let you know because I don't want to oh. you know, speculate. And we've, yeah, talked, we've, we've right. talked millions of times about this, so we can throw names at you and see what you okay. Okay, <laughs> we can definitely like, can. I think before the season started, I've been like, oh, fuck, right? We need a Luka Doncic in order to really contend. Now, I think we can win it all with a Jeremiah Grant or Brandon Ingram, who's not a superstar, who's a solid 25 and 5 you know, shooting uh, near like 45, 47% from the field, 40, 41 from three. Someone like that can guard two, three positions with some length and height shot making. I think a guy like that could put us over the top. And we would be not just a dark horse, but a legitimate top five contender in the NBA if we had one of those two guys. Definitely a great yeah, so you, sure. you're look, Yeah, looking for the wings, right? Those big wings that, you know, yeah. can play outside, um, but also inside, right? So, I, you know, between those people, between those two, I think I would have to go with Brandon Ingram. You know, I love when he's at his best, you know, his shot making ability, um, driving. There's not too many people that can stop him. We saw how, you know, Pelicans came out to start. I know they've struggled recently. But, yeah, if you got a guy like Brandon Ingram, they'll be contenders, like, for for the finals. I, I truly believe that. Let's I'm go. with you. Yeah, I agree. I'm with you. The names we come out with, definitely Brandon Ingram was one. Jeremy Grant was uh, a, kind of like a dark horse one. Uh, Anthony Edwards is also one. <laughs> we dreaming big here. We dreaming big, all right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we don't know what's going on with the Timberwolves. We don't know what's going on yeah. with them. 
<laughs> but it's like, what are you gonna get, right? How how are you gonna get somebody like well, Anthony Edwards? That's a, yeah, that's a dream. But even Brandon Ingram, all right, what are you gonna give up to get him though? Like if well, that's how it's gonna work out, or I'm, I'm thinking, I think they're tw- if I remember correctly, they're like twelfth, but they're really they're, they're tied with that tenth spot in the West, yeah. which I, you know is like way under the expectations that that front office had to start the season with a fully healthy yeah. CJ McCollum and a healthy Zion Williamson, another year of Herb Jones and Jose Alvarado, they were probably expecting big things. So if they get bounced in a playing tournament or smacked in the first round, they could be looking at changing things up. And of the three, Brandon Ingram seems the most likely piece to be put on the market because you need a solid return while also keeping the veteran CJ McCollum that run the show and Zion Williams as your centerpiece. Yeah. No, it's very true. Very true. I don't know, man. It's going to, it's going to be interesting because this league is so unpredictable, always, you know, entertaining, um, so much drama. But like you said, one result, like if somebody gets bounced out of the first round or whatever, they don't make the playoffs, that can change the entire fortune of not only their franchise, but also another franchise. Like, all right, this ain't going to work, bro. Yep. So let's ship off some pieces that we like, but we can get some good guys in return. Listen. What about, what about, uh, what about you and like uh, CJ? Is too too small for you? Too small. Yeah, it's yeah. The I, I don't think too he has the prime me. too. Yeah. Like yeah. we trying to. I we we want somebody a little bit younger. Dark horse. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Listen, man. I look back at old KOT episode when Ian was on. Ian's been sneakily mentioning Embiid for since like October. So now and it's like months later and he's still mentioning. I'm like, yo, what does Ian know? Ian knows. Let's talk about it. <laughs> he's been- Let's talk about it. What do you think, Chris? I just I literally saw a report about Embiid possibly, yeah, you know, leaving or whatever. Something happened with him, uh, with the Sixers. So I don't here's what I'll say. Anything could happen. Anything can happen. I never expected Kyrie Irving to be back as a net. You know, after the whole thing with the between the anti-Semitic link, I, I never expected him to ask for a trade, you know, after they resolved all that. So there is literally uh, endless possibilities for what could happen uh, regarding the Sixers, you know, including Harden and, and Joel Embiid. Is it likely? Nah, but you never know, man. The, the, the reports that I keep seeing that's making me think it could possibly happen They've been talking about James Harden leaving, going back to Houston for like three months. So to me, what's happening in the locker room where that's coming out? Like that early in the middle of a season where they're fourth in the third in the East. Like something is something is weird in 76 or land. I don't know. That that's just weird to me. What? worries me about a trade of in being magnitude is you're going to disrupt the continuity like in a really magnified way mitchell robinson's definitely going to be included in that trade emmanuel quickly is probably going to be included in that trade grimes or rj's i mean not only did they match the salary which fournier would help with that and derrick rose would help with that but a lot of your core guys and mitchell robinson rj with their uh, extensions are going to help toward that too and draft capital you don't have very little for that, that hope that we have to make a big trade and have some leftover for another one, that's gone. Like that's going to be the only move that you can really make moving forward. And you're going to give up a lot of guys or the heart and soul of this team. And you'll be left with Brunson, Randall, probably Hart, 
and maybe at the Sims or at McBride, but man, you're really gonna like cater crater out your your roster. I'm, is it worth it? Yeah, I think so. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm about, about to say, Lee. Yeah. So you're telling me we're left with two all stars and an MVP candidate? Is that what you're telling me? I'm just saying. I'm, I'm trying to. I'm trying to deliver both sides. I still do it because it beats a top five guy in the NBA I, to me. It would hurt for sure because of the emotional connection to the guys that we drafted and groomed. But that that talent is ridiculous. Like I'm yeah. scared of the 76ers in the playoffs for a legit reason. Once you have, once yeah. Embiid has you on the island, it's his island, and what can you really do? You mix that with Jalen Brunson's clutch shot making, what top two clutch player in the perimeter? Like, come on, like, what are we talking about? <laughs> you feel like those, all those three guys would be enough um, to win to win it all? You feel like that would be? A really scary team. I think they would be an amazing team. Um, but yeah, the whole continuity thing, like, I guess my question to you guys is how patient would you be willing? Yeah, how patient would you be in terms of what you're expecting from this team? Uh, Ryan, you haven't talked a little bit. What do you think? Well, <laughs> I'm just having, I'm just letting the guys have that fun with all these wild trade scenarios. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I think if the Knicks were to acquire Embiid and they have Julius Randle, Jalen Brunson, able to keep one or two guys from the core, I would give them the first season. I would, I would kind of, you know, let it slide a bit because I think they would need time to mesh and to really get to know each other. So, you know, the first season, if, if the first season, if they can make like Eastern Conference Finals or whatever the case may be, I'd be cool with that. But then the second season on, then I would expect them to really contend because after that, then it's like, okay, after a year of playing with each other, after a year of playing with each other, you, now you should be able to mesh, you know, each other's game better, you know, which spots everybody likes to operate at. And then, uh, you know, then, and now let's see if we can, re we can actually get a legit championship running and go for that title. So I'd probably give them like two years. Yeah. Two years? Great. Yeah. I mean, Listen, I kind of like this Josh Hart trade for this type of reason because before I felt like it was Grimes or a bust on the perimeter, you know? Um, when it comes to a guy who can defend at a high level. But now with Josh Hart here, who's he's kind of like, you know, a little bit of upgraded Grimes on the defensive end anyway. If we at least end up keeping one of those, I still feel like there's a chance to have some type of continuity that we can build on from one season to another. You know what I'm saying? That that's the way my mind is thinking anyway. Yeah, I definitely agree. I, I think it's very, it's not unrealistic to see them to make that trade right and have it work out. Um, I don't think is, um, is wild at all. I will say that, uh, yeah, a lot of Knicks fans would be pissed. Um, giving up some of that homegrown talent because I think there's this idea that it's like you guys want, you know, a big superstar to come to New York. Uh, however, you also don't want to give up. Like if you give up RJ bear, I know people are going to lose their mind, but if it ends up in a championship, you know, like it did for the Lakers, I know it was in the bubble, but still it was a championship. Um, you know, gave away all those players, Brandon Ingram, D'Lo, all them. 
it's worth it, right? You get one championship. Yep. Come on now. Yep. Yeah. The NBA would be on fire. I agree. If you never won anything, like if you didn't win, I guess the next 10 years, I feel like it'd still be worth it. Listen. I, I wholeheartedly agree. Same. The Golden State Warriors traded their golden child, Monta Ellis. So they can yeah. <laughs> and Golden State Warriors fans were pissed for a long time, but you know, they're not as they're not really pissed anymore. If you like I mean maybe this year, because this year is not <laughs> but they ran off a few championships after that. Yeah. So I I don't know. That's just me. That's just me. Fritz, you want to call? Fritz, Fritz has something to say. Fritz wants to make a call and, and join in. If you want to join in this conversation, you definitely can. The number is at the bottom, 319-527-6241. That's 319-527-6241. Sure. I have a question about quickly, too. All right. Because you know me. Last year, I, I wanted quickly to start so bad. And I've seen so many players come here and start to play over our young guys that I was thinking irrational. And I'm like, no, don't bring Jalen Brunson over here because I want quickly to start. Not because Jalen Brunson is bad, but because I just saw so much in quickly that I felt like if given the actual time to be that guy, he can put it all together. Now, you see, he goes off on Boston and now I'm thinking, well, shoot, this guy can be a starter in this league. It's like to me, that almost solidifies it in my brain. I don't know. How do you guys feel about do you feel like quickly can be a starter in this league? Because at this point, when it comes to the offseason, I definitely feeling more and more like other teams who are in desperate need of a point guard are going to be looking at quickly like we were looking at Jalen Brunson. Who you want to go first? Chrissy, okay. thinking? I guess I'll go yeah, first. Yeah, I'll take it. Yeah. All right, yeah, go right. Ryan. <laughs> oh, no. Um, I do think quickly can be a star in this league. I'm not, I'm, I'm not 100%. I'm not 100% sure whether he could be a starter on a championship caliber team yet. Mm-hmm. I'm not 100 okay. sure yeah. about that, but I think on like a good team, um, or maybe like a team that's like bottom half of the NBA, he could, he could he could definitely be a starter on that team. As for the Knicks, I like his role as a six man coming off the bench for the Knicks, just for the simple fact that you know, like I said before, like with championship teams, you you do need that guy coming off the bench that's a that can like be a starter for other teams in the NBA, and quickly is that guy where you put him into the game and you already know what you're getting from him. Great defense. He's going to score for you. He's going to facilitate. And, I mean, if you look at the stats, I mean, his plus minus is crazy coming off the bench. So, I was like, I don't want to really change that. Like, he is definitely starting capable. But with the Knicks, I think his role as a sixth man is unmatched. Like, he needs – me personally, I would rather him stay as a sixth man on the Knicks. I'm not even talking about yeah, the Knicks. Not. Like, I'm talking about – listen, this man is – what top three? What did Monica say today? Top three all ball defender in the on ball defender in the NBA. Like he's playing no games. I'm sorry, Lee. I know you wanted to say something. Yeah, I I gotta disagree with Ryan. 
I think he can start on any NBA team. I think he can start on a championship team. I think he should start on our team next season. I think he should be the starting two guard. I think he's just like Brunson uh, in terms of his ability to impact a team. I like the analogy of how we were looking at Brunson, but we had quickly in the pocket. And now other teams are be looking at quickly uh, to, to, to fill their starting point guard role. I also think he's under the bag. I think uh, 20 million is what I would like to give him. I think someone's probably going to offer him 30 uh, million per year. And he'll probably end up somewhere between 25 or 27 per. Uh, the niche to pay it. I don't care if we go over the luxury tax. Dolan's a billionaire. He's making mad money on, on all kinds of endeavors, <laughs> like pay up, you know, and he's the thing about Dolan, he's never been a cheap ass. That's he has fact. paid. He's overpaid Phil Jackson, overpaid Eddie yeah. Curry, overpaid James, <laughs> James Johnson back in the day. Like he's overpaid, overpaid everybody. everybody. So let's get into the luxury tax. Let's let's pay quickly what he deserves. I think he's a top three cornerstone for us after uh, Brunson and Randall. He's super young, only 23 years old. He's a baller, plays both sides of the court. Our best on-ball defender, maybe our best facilitator. It's a close call. we got a few of them on this team. But, yeah, man, pay the man, start the man. Really? Oh, wow. That is so interesting. And you don't consider RJ a part of that cornerstone three? No, I would put RJ probably fifth after Mitch. Damn. Which was the most important. Wow. Wow. <laughs> that is definitely not how some Knicks fans I know yeah. feel. They are, that's like their baby, their prized possession. So to hear you say that uh, is hysterical. I mean, it's all, it's very valid. And I definitely understand where you're coming from. I just wasn't expecting you. Uh, well, we, we, I'm not an art. We've come to the conclusion that on this show anyway, that quickly might, no, quickly. Today, we trust quickly the ball more than RJ the ball. Yes. Yes. I also think he has a higher ceiling, and I think he, I think he has a higher floor as well. I, I would argue he's actually already better than RJ right now. Yeah. We just don't see that to its full potential because of the role that he's having to play off the bench in a lower usage situation. If you gave him RJ's role in minutes, I think he's averaging 23 points a game on more efficient splits. Yeah. And he's obviously, he's the most, not only is he the bet, best defender we have, he's the yeah. most insistent perimeter defender we have too, who can really guard guys above his size. He didn't punch above his, his Absolutely. weight class. And he's got a ceiling to go. For me, what we've seen in RJ, I think this is RJ. I don't think he has another gear. And I'm not mad at that. I'm That's fine where I disagree with you. Keep him. But. Yeah, <laughs> I disagree there too. I disagree with that too. Well. <laughs> I think quickly, I think quickly has a higher ceiling that we haven't even seen yet and won't see until he starts. You know, that's a great point because we just saw what happened with Mikhail Bridges. Like he's on the Phoenix Suns, three and D guy. You know, he can put up points, you know, if he needs to with all the injuries. We saw that. And he goes to the Nets. And then he's exploding for 30, 40, whatever. And it's all because of the the role that he's put in. So I do like that. I do like that uh, point because it's all about the fit and what role you're given. If you're coming off the bench and you're only getting, what, 15 minutes or whatever, you can only do so much. Right. But if you're starting, it's like, okay, now we see, you know, what your full potential is as you go through um, – you know, the ups and downs of being a starter. So, yeah, I'm, I'm excited to see uh, how he evolves, evolves his game. I hope you're wrong, though, Lee, about RJ, uh, just because, you know, he's a Duke guy. I love Duke growing up. And he's a lefty. I was a lefty. <laughs> horrible. But, yeah. Uh, <laughs> I, yeah, I don't – I'm 50-50 on that. Like, this may be the best he ever gets. And then there's also a side of me that's like, no, nah, maybe there's another step 
that he can develop. If this is the best he ever gets, that's not a bad thing. He's not bad. No. I, I think he's a very solid player, capable of dropping 30, also capable of dropping 10. Uh, and and really, when he's 30, it's going to be inefficient like tonight, one to seven from yeah. three. But I, I like the way he's driving to the basket. I just don't think he has a star level to attain to like I do quickly. You know, that's the fair. With quickly the swing scale is the shooting like for it's yeah. the it's the shooting and it's also the IQ on both sides of the ball the whole game you're seeing IQ literally direct traffic on the offensive end and the defensive end then you see him guarding small guys then you see him guarding power forwards and you're thinking yep. oh it's gonna be barbecue chicken and he gets a steal yep. or it gets a block or it gets a and, and then he throwing alley oops he's there's just so many dimensions, and he's so versatile. And to me, he, he's also like a to me, he's also a leader. And like we said before, he just hasn't had that the minutes and the role to really show all of that. Which is kind of why I'm a little bit nervous when it comes to this offseason. Because I know he sees it himself. I see it. If I see, it, I know he sees it. So um, I'm I'm hoping to, like Lee said, Knicks open up that purse really big. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm just gonna push back a little bit with the whole IQ and RJ ceiling because I do think I do think Quick has a high ceiling, but I do I but I do think RJ's ceiling is a bit higher. It's because I've seen on RJ's best games when he puts it all together when he when he's shooting well when he's driving to the basket, when he's able to, when he's actually able to look for his teammates and pass the ball as he's driving to the basket and things of that nature. I do feel like if RJ puts it together, especially being, especially playing a premium position at the wing in the NBA, I do think RJ's bar ceiling is higher, but I also agree that at this moment, IQ is the better player. So um, that's, that's, that's still, you know, that's the only, um, you know, place where I would like push back at, but yeah, that's, that's fair. And I, I think the difference for me is that quickly doesn't have any physical limitations. Uh, he might be a little bit shorter, but he's got long wingspan and he's really quick for a step. And he's a fast player as well. RJ's got physical limitations. He's slow. He's slower than most wings and he has very little vertical. He, he's just not, he's not a hopper and that limits him going to the yeah, basket. Too. That's not. Yeah. Oh, go ahead, Chris. No, go ahead. Because they both have different limitations though, because. Quickly's limitation is he doesn't have the brute strength that RJ has. So RJ has that luxury to kind of play slower in the paint and probe and almost rest for longer periods of time. And if he was able ever to, if he's ever able to harness how to use his strength with the footwork of Brunson and get his touch together and kind of just lean on that. He can be very dangerous and just beat the guys up in the paint and be a catch and shoot guy. And he'll be great and nice and consistent, which is why I, I still haven't given up on RJ as of yet. Cause it's, I see flashes when the touch around the rim is there and, and when the passing is there. So I haven't all the way given up on him with quickly. He's not going to be able to slow the game down and like, you know, punish you in the middle. Like if he had some weight on him, he could like Brunson does, but he's not able to do that. So there's just different. They both have limitations and different strengths and weaknesses. It's just, it's just different ways of using what they have. You know what I mean? Yeah, uh, definitely different, different ways of using them. 
And look, that that for here, but here's the thing, Jay. This game, like, it's important to have the strength in this league. Um, it's but I think it's more important to have, you know, the speed and the, the quickness that Lee was talking about, right? That first step is that is the game changer, right? Uh, in every aspect of the way, because if you have a quick, quick ass first step and they can't guard you, you're going to get unlimited buckets. And then even if they double you, then you kick it out. You know, IQ has their smarts. You get the open man. Boom. They knock down the shot. That's almost unstoppable. You know, the, the size wise, right. You know, how he elevates and all that. Okay, sure. But if he's able to get by you and there's nobody putting their hand up, uh, I think it's really scary. Whereas RJ, yeah, you want to play bully ball? Okay, cool. But I don't know if you're getting, you know, past the Giannis's, the Brooke Lopez's, the Joel Embiid's. Like, you strong, but are you on that level? So, but <laughs> yeah, no. Nah. Luca, Luca is always yeah. my go to example for stuff like this because Luca is a guy who's not fast. He's just a brute strength, shoot, footwork type of dude. And he just leans on that body contact angles. Like you don't necessarily have to be super fast if you're like big and strong. And that's what I'm saying. There's guys in the league who get buckets who aren't yep. lightning fast, which is no, what I'm true. saying, which is why I, I like, even we, we call him Jimmy, but Jimmy buckets has been getting buckets for a long time. He is not that fast, but he got the footwork. He dupe you into getting fouls and he'll live in that paint, that lower paint area all day long. So this guys who can do it, uh, freaking yeah. DeMar DeRozan isn't, he, I mean, he's like in the middle, he's a little faster, but it's, yeah. it's footwork, he, head fakes and angles. Huh? He's very athletic. Yeah. And DeMar DeRozan. Yeah. Athletic. Yeah. DeMar DeRozan is a little more athletic, right? I'm going to push, I'm going to push back one more time and then <laughs> y'all can have the final say on this. Uh, that everyone that you mentioned, Luca, DeMar DeRozan, Jimmy Butler, is exponentially more talented than R.J. Barrett. That all three have way higher IQs. All three have way better footwork. All three are way better two-way players, and all three have way better shots than R.J. Barrett. And will have better uh, a better game than him. I don't think R.J. will ever be at any of those three guys' levels, even though it's like those three guys themselves are at different levels. Uh, so you're kind of comparing apples to oranges here. Um, and also, Emmanuel, quickly, you're right. When he's at the two-guard spot, he is overpowered. But as a point guard, no, he's not. At 6'3", with his wingspan and his toned body, no one's overpowering him at the point guard spot. It just depends on what position he plays. When he's at two, you're going to find guys that are bigger, stronger, uh, and more athletic than him. But at the point, you're not going to find very many guys in the point guard position that can overpower him, post him up, uh, and, and cook him on the, the on the offensive end. Very true. That's a good point. My thing is, yeah. when Jimmy Butler came into the league, he wasn't getting that many minutes, right? Was everybody saying no. he was super talented when he first came into the league, or did he work his way through that? Like, there's guys who were drafted lower who worked their way through that. And RJ has that work that, that work ethic. I'm not saying that that's a guaranteed and that's definitely going to happen. But I'm just saying, like, people who's developed shots over here, Jason Clay couldn't even shoot until what, year what? Eight? 15. 15. <laughs> yeah, it took a while, bro. It, it took a while. It took a while. Then it was like, oh, you can't leave Jason open. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 
Yeah, that, yeah, that's a fair point. But yeah, J, yeah, Jay Kid, you know. <laughs> yeah, that, that, that's different. Ace and yeah. Kid. No Jay. No Jay. Okay. <laughs> Ace and Kid. I remember Basically, that. Mama, yo, yeah. tell him. My bad. Tell him. Tell him. Are you still online? He was going back and forth into a real basketball debate. Real. <laughs> tell him. You still online? Because I know. Tell him has something to say. Hopefully, you remember what you had to say. Tell him. He's. I didn't want to stop the, the flow of the conversation. Tell him you still there. Yes, yes. Testing. 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 Star call. Oh my goodness! So that's tell him. That's he, he calls that's a moment. And speaks his mind, <laughs> and it was all facts. But, it was all facts. Yeah. Like I'm not super mad because I knew, you know, the fatigue factor, yeah. and we kind of shot ourselves in the foot a little bit by the way we played the third quarter. We're not hustling, and or we call it fatigue, whatever. But yeah, bruh, these refs, man, the refs are bad. Yeah. The, the, the I mean, they were bad. I think, I think I'm both sides, right? Uh, yeah. I Look, 
when Randall did that, I forgot if he shoved that Rozier or whoever. Um, that was <laughs> it was weird because they it felt like they were letting them play. I think a couple possessions before, uh, like there was a lot of contact and nothing was getting called. And then you know they Randall did shove the dude. You know, so I mean, I think you call that, but you got to be consistent. Yeah, that that's my that's my main thing um, with the refs. You got to be consistent. If you're calling one way, okay, do it the whole time. If you're not. Um, then don't. But here's what I do know about the refs. Like they will call, uh, they will have a call like on a foul or a charger block based on, you know, what's going to maybe extend the game. Because it's about entertainment. Mm. Like the referees are paid by the league. The league is an entertainment business. And I was talking to, um, you know, our cousin on my, uh, on my wife's side and cousin-in-law, right? And he was telling me, yeah, if there's a situation where LeBron is coming down to the court, they're down two against, um, I don't know, you know, the late, uh, the Grizzlies, right? And John Morant is guarding him. If he bullies him and it's a bang bang call for a blocker charge, since they're they're down two, they're gonna give the call to LeBron. But if it was the other way around, they're gonna give that call to job because they want to see more entertainment. And so I just, I don't know. I don't know. It's it's interesting. Um, you got this information but, from Tim Donahue? <laughs> no, 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 bro. Nah, bro. This, this is uh, nah, not even, bro. Uh, yeah. <laughs> it's my cousin-in-law who's a rep. Oh, he's right? a rep. Oh, he's your cousin-in-law who's a rep? Oh. Yeah. So I... Secrets. What's that? Now you're giving away the secrets. Oh, snap. <laughs> Wait a minute. I ain't going to put a name out there because I ain't going to put it, you know, mm-hmm. I don't want to do that. But... That's what he would. That's what he told me. Like that's what they are trained. That's what they're taught. Oh wow! Like, don't call carries. Don't call trap. Like nah. If it's an agreed to travel, okay, yeah. But that's why you see all this. And when he told me that, everything made so much more sense in the way you see the game played. Like if there's barely any contact on a layup, and the person player makes it, they're not gonna call it. But if he misses, and you see that late call, they're gonna call it because like oh. It affected the shot, but if he gets touched and he makes a lip, oh, it didn't affect the shot, so no foul. This makes perfect sense. It does. Because I was ready. Listen, I had a bro pick ready because this season to me has been the worst refs season. Not the game. Worst refs season I've ever seen where I'm watching people get fouled in slow motion on a replay. And they go to this replay center and not call it. And I'm sitting here like, what the, how does this, when they slowed the, when they, when RJ got fouled on that shot and he slowed it down and saw Hayward literally hit his forearm affecting his shot and overturn the call. I, I don't, I don't understand. I don't get it. Yeah. No, that's real. Because I was like, because he heard Wally on a call. He's like, oh, that's definitely contact, you know, before he um, before he hit the ball. He's like, it's not going to be overturned. And then the rest, yep, challenge successful. I was like, like what? what? Bruh. But, you know, <laughs> there's some people, though, that like some reps, like Scott Foster. Oh, yeah, I hate Scott I don't know Foster. what his deal is. I don't know what his deal is. I don't think he's tied to that whole, I mean, maybe he's tied to the, you know, entertainment thing. But he'd be on a power trip. 
a lot of these reps be on power trips and they want to flex their muscles um, and show them like, yeah, I control you. Like I'm determining the game. Oh yeah. Even if it's unconscious or whatever. Oh yeah. Uh, I can't stand Scott Foster. I still remember when he, he gave a tech to Courtney Lee in like a one point game versus the Grizzlies in like 2016. That was crazy. <laughs> for taunting. He gave him a tech for taunting at a jump ball. <laughs> I was like, oh. Yo, Scott Foster should be in jail. I don't know, man. He, I'm sorry, he, man. Yeah, something. He, I know he uh, point shaming on a game or something. I don't know. He, he definitely yeah. did. I, he definitely did. I don't know. He's down him two peas in a pod. That's all I'll say. <laughs> you guys have any bro picks? If you don't, Chris, if you don't, if you don't know, we have something clear called bro picks, right? Bro picks are usually yeah. the dumbest plays that happen of the day. Or it could just be anything oh, okay. stupid that you want to mention that you want to get off your chest. Yeah, um, you know what? I don't. I don't think from this game. I don't. Yeah, it was Randall. You know, reminding us who he was last year, where he's dribbling in too much traffic, loses the ball, and not able to handle it. And it's like this is deja vu. And of course, I'm not gonna you know, you know, come down too hard on him because he's been playing great this season. But it's just like, come on, man. Yeah, I know you're fatigued, but that's okay. That's what happens when you're fatigued. You make bad decisions. So that that was a broad moment, but Bruh. it wasn't like the most egregious thing. I I feel you. I feel you. You guys have any? Yeah, I do have a broad pick. Actually, it happened tonight. So Wizards versus Detroit, right? So there was a play in the game where Kuzma shot a three from the corner. My man thought he was Steph Curry. Safety shot the three. He turned around to the bench like Steph Curry, only for the shot to be missed. And then the funny thing is that the ball carried him back to his, to like where he was standing, and Detroit got the rebound, and then his teammates on the bench were laughing at him. Mm. Oh, wait, my bad. Bruh. Not to hit that. Oh, I got a bro pick. And also, I want to add one thing too, because I see my arch nemesis <laughs> <laughs> in the comments section. <laughs> Because I, because I see that you know RJ had a great game tonight, and IQ had a bad game tonight. So he, he feels so he feels to take shots at IQ. <laughs> well, sir, that still doesn't take away from the fact that IQ had a great game against the Boston Celtics, and he was probably the reason why the Knicks won that game. Especially since he knocked in big shots in overtime, which RJ Barrett failed to do. I'm done. <sighs> Uh, uh, I don't even want to do the comparison thing because now because then I'm gonna feel like I'm crapping on RJ because I could just pull up the shooting numbers and uh, every uh, and then everything is just gonna be dead. I could just do that, but I'm not gonna do that because I'm rooting for both of them. All right, <laughs> I'm rooting for I mean, both hey, of them. I, I I mean, just... Hey, I'm rooting for both of them too. But it's like, damn, my man got mad because I had one little criticism about RJ, and I said overall RJ had a good game against the Celtics. So I was like, why are you mad? <laughs> Arch nemesis. Oh man. I got a bro pick. What's up? Um my bro pick is the discourse around the JJ Reddit Kendra Perkins conversation. Oh my god. Yeah. Oh. I have uh oh Lord. I've actually agreed with with parts of both their arguments. I think that Kendra Perkins is right that the makeup of the MVP committee does influence uh who is chosen for MVP. I think we saw that when Steve Nash was picked twice over in a much more deserving Shaquille O'Neal and Kobe Bryant. I think we saw that when Dirk Nowitzki was chosen over Dirk, uh, 
over Kobe Bryant. Um, and Joel and uh, Nikola Jokic was picked over Joel Embiid. Um, I, I definitely think that the race component of the MVP committee has, I mean, it's over 80% white. You know, they're looking right. out for people that look like them. I think if the committee was 80% black, we rarely see a white MVP because uh, of the same metrics. People look out for their own. I'm not saying, I'm not demonizing it. I'm just saying it's a fact. I definitely think the race plays a part. That being said, Nikola Jokic is a, a viable MVP candidate. Dude's like a big man, average of triple doubles. He's one of the greatest big men of all time. I'm not putting him in Wilt or um, Kareem territory, but for this modern era, he's a badass um, by all regards. And I also think J.J. Reddit had a really good burn on Kindred when he said, why don't you choose ne- uh, before 1990, which was a really convenient cutoff point because the years before Magic Johnson was not in the top 10 in scoring, and that would have negated him to be a part of the argument. But I thought the back and, the back and forth all in all was good. I think Joe does stat pad. I also think Lucas stat pads. I mean, Embiid stats pad, James Hart. Most of these guys stat pad, not on a not on an egregious basis like Ricky Davis back in the day, but in a sense to where if they have the opportunity to get their fifth triple-double in a row and they just need an assist, they're going to pass instead of score. I, I don't think stat padding is necessarily a bad thing. Kendrick said that too. It's not a bad thing, but we cannot, as men, look at other men and assume what they're thinking in their mind. Right. So you can't sit clear Jokic of any um, ability to stat pad on his behalf. But uh, I watch the games. I think even LeBron James, does, we, they all do it. To, to help themselves in certain situations, but they're not egregious in a sense where they're almost their whole career is stat padding. Like they're the bum, 15th bum off the bench trying to get in and store their first two points. There, there's levels to it. Uh, and I found both points on their side to be really viable, but to, to deny their eight, 85% white guys in the MVP committee aren't looking out for their other white guy candidates. I mean, oh, come on, man. Get that bun that's, yeah, here, man. I, that's, that's a bracket. I mean, yeah. I don't even think it's, I don't think it's like looking looking out. It's like the bias, like okay, we want to, yeah, we want to help elevate, you know, Jokic because there aren't as many white players in the NBA, um, and he is still very deserving of the right. award. This is his best case for yes. the award, averaging a triple double, best team in the West. Like right. he is playing lights out. I remember, you know, Lee, you talked about Jokic uh, stat padding. It's funny because I remember seeing a clip the other day. Somebody said, yeah, that was like your 23rd double-double. And the response was like, woo And then that, that was the answer. So I don't, I feel like he doesn't give a damn about that. Maybe <laughs> I'm wrong. At all. He just does <laughs> But he was just like, like, oh, okay, cool. Like he wants to win the championship. Um, but yeah, that the 1990 thing by JJ, that was, that was, I give him props for that. Yeah. He was like, yeah, that was real. Sure. You did that yeah. for a reason, man. <laughs> 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 your argument come on dog. <laughs> you, you know what though i do think there is a race component within that but i also kind of think what happens sometimes in the nba well not with the Jokic thing but i also kind of feel like you know what they they can't give it to this guy again it's like boy it's like almost like the underdog entertainment factor still where they're like we don't mm-hmm. want to give it to the same guy 12 times in a row. Like, we already know Michael Jordan is the best player. Right. <laughs> it's like, well, you're going to give him to him in the eighth year in a row, even though we all know. I feel like there's a little bit of that yeah. happening as well, where they just yeah, don't want to just repeat it to make it, you know, just like for the same reason that your your cousin said, like, they, they want to have some suspense and entertain. Yeah. Like, it's just boring to have the same outcome every single time. 
Yeah, it, it's rare, but there's a white player that's even on the level of an MVP candidate. So when they have one, it's like, oh, right. let's help engage the fans over there in Utah or Portland or Minnesota to make sure that they're keeping the eyes on the TV and they have someone to root for, uh, you yeah. know, within their own community. Yeah. Um, but the fact that Shaquille O'Neal only has one MVP and Nash has two. That's, that's crazy. Yeah. Or Shaq has one and Rutgers has two. That's all you need to know. That's crazy. Right me, dog. <laughs> you know, it's wrong. Shaq should have went over Nash. <laughs> should have Kobe should have went over Nash, right? Yep. But here, here's the other thing, interesting thing. Um, Lee, when you look at uh yeah, so Giannis, when he was playing um the year after he won his second straight MVP, I just saw it today, Tim McMahon, um, who's the ESPN writer for Dallas Mavericks, he said, Yeah, I just don't see at the beginning of the year, he's like, I don't see how Giannis can win when he hasn't made it to the conference finals. Like yeah, he's won his MVPs, but you got to win the championship or you got to make it to the finals. And you don't really, I don't think you really see that um, with Jokic. And that just goes to your point, like, you know, they want to see Jokic win. It's it's a different, different standard. Different metric. Uh, but again, yeah, different metric. But again, he is very deserving of the award this year. This is his best case, in my, in my opinion. But they're yeah. not gonna win it. They're gonna win nothing, though. I'll tell no, you they ain't winning they ain't nothing. Win. <laughs> now, now I'm trying to. Now I'm trying to see what Jokic and Tim McMahon have in common. Hmm. Yeah, but it, but it is kind of <laughs> that's, things that's that make that, you say. That, that's that windy. That's that windy meme. Win <laughs> it, it is. It is kind of funny though yeah. because I think Chris brought up a good point because I, I I forgot who brought it up on ESPN, but they were basically saying that like other players like. I think I think I think they made a list where they're talking about like the five players in the NBA who have the most pressure on them to win a title. And oh. I think they were looking at the list and they were like, so why aren't we putting pressure on Jokic to win a title when this guy's won like multiple MVPs? That's a great point. And yeah, you know, you know, like why aren't we putting a lot of pressure on him? Like how are we putting pressure on Chris Paul to win a title or NBA. Or like Kawhi Leonard yeah, to win a yeah, title? Yeah. Yeah. Other players and and I mean it's 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 facts because when a guy wins multiple MVPs, you're supposed to look at that player and be like, okay, you've won multiple MVPs. You should be able to lead your team yes. for a championship. Exactly. exactly. So why is there not a lot of pressure on Jokic like there are on other players in the NBA? And I think they made I think they brought up some like a comparison saying that like American players get so much pressure be put on them you know, to win championships, but then these European players, especially especially the white ones, it's like they get like a pass, you know, like not a lot of pressure is put on them, like how it's put on like black African-American players. And yeah, and I feel like it was a good point. Yes. So and it was a really good point. And I just wanted to look up, you know, who the actual players were. It was Stephen A. Smith's list. And yeah. It was first Paul was number one, which I think is laughable. I mean, his yeah, he needs a title. His legacy is already submitted to me. Um, one of the best point guards of all time, but two, James Harden, okay, Jason Tatum, and then four was Jokic. Number five was Kawhi Leonard. Um, if you're if you're being honest, yeah, maybe Jokic should be you know number one or number two since uh, he hasn't won a title and hasn't even made it to NBA Finals. He's won two MVPs. Right. Um, James Harden's been to I know he been to Finals before he you know became the James Harden, but yeah, uh, there is a difference in the amount of pressure. Even saying with Luka Doncic, right? I think you could go there. 
Um, so there are always, yeah, implicit biases, racial biases. People just need to understand, you know, how to remove those so they can be as objective as possible um, and make the, the sound decision. If, if you don't think the NBA and mainstream media doesn't enjoy a great white hype, Look at all the boosting they did for Matt McClellan's bum ass. Yes. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I was thinking it. That, that's no, all no, no, no. That kid's literally a bum. I, I mean, he's a G League bum. Like, come on. I mean, yeah. no, I, he bro, dunk. Hey, I didn't even think. Hey, I ain't going to call him a bug because anybody that's playing in the NBA G League. I, I can't I, do bum that. Bum in comparison. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. To me, he's yeah. Michael Jordan. But yeah. compared to, yeah. to okay. regular NBA players, yeah. Noel, he's a bum. Yeah, I'll give you that. I'll give you that for sure. <laughs> they, yeah, they love it. Bro, and the crazy thing is, like, I think he just got, I mean, his followers went through the roof. Yeah, and I think yeah, he got a, deal. Uh, endorsement deal. Puma deal. <laughs> right. Just like that. <laughs> Yo, let's lead me to this. Like, what is it like being, like, black in media? Because that has to be a certain... Uh, uh, if you want to talk on that, is yeah, it being black immediate? Yes. I mean, it can be exhausting at times because there's so many people who try to gaslight you or they try to sanitize, you know, how you talk um, and what you talk about. Uh, but it's a reminder, you know, for you to keep pushing forward and remember that you have the power because if they weren't trying to change you, um, the fact that they're trying to change you makes them see you as a threat. Yeah. Right. I was like, oh, I'm a threat. OK, I'm, I'm going to keep doing what I'm doing and I'm going to get to the top no matter what happens. You know, I'm, I'm getting there. But it is extremely um, frustrating sometimes when you see people don't understand the complexities of you know, how race and sports are so intertwined and how it affects how people are covered. It's like, oh, yeah. bro, it's right there in your face, like it's smacking you across the face left and right. Um, but it's also really rewarding, you know, when you're able to, you know, uplift, you know, your little community um, with your village and then also have people, you know, black uh, boys and girls um, that look up to you because of what you're doing. Uh, so, yeah, that's how I would say it's like, you know, being black in the media. There's pros and cons to it, um, but I'm always keep grinding. Absolutely. And one thing I promised myself after the pandemic, I was like, I'm not... <clears throat> I'm not changing myself, I'm not sanitizing, watering down my, my blackness for the comfort of, of white uh, white people. I'm not doing that. I'm just not doing it anymore. I can't live, I can't live myself, you know? So yeah, that's how I feel. That's great. That that reminds me of that uh $40 million slave book by William Brody, yeah. which is like something that I read in college and has stuck with me as a Latino writer in, in the sports world. Um forever i think that he published that in 2006 and it's yeah. 2023 and we're still dealing dealing with this bs you either get uh etched out or you know you got a lot of gatekeeping nepotism cronyism yeah. or on the flip yeah. side you have you know you become the token person where people are trying to fill a quota and they're all gassed up on you know neoliberal politics and, and, and corporate percentages and they're trying to get you to be the face of the diversity program which is like equally disgusting disingenuous it's like man it's like you, you can't win you just try to stay true to yourself and stay true yeah. to your beliefs and keep a door open for other people in your village yeah exactly that that last part is really important keep a door open for your village because you don't want to forget you know how many people are rooting for you and supporting you um, Thanks. never want to get you know oh yeah i'm better than it. like people like there are people in the industry who treat people like crap like the behind the scenes individuals 
and I'm looking at them like, yo, who who raised you? Like, what what happened where you lost your your sensibilities, your your principles? Yeah. Like just treat humans like they want to be treated. I've never never understood why people well, some ways I do understand because they've been told yes a lot and they get whatever they want. Mm. Um, but still, nah, man, just I like kicking it with everybody. I don't matter if you the PA, chip <laughs> operator, producer, talent. Yeah. Sometimes I have more fun with the behind the scenes people. <laughs> That's usually how it goes sometimes. <laughs> yeah. That's usually how it goes. Man, well, this is why I like, you know, building stuff on the ground up. It's more rewarding. You can do what you want. Nobody can tell you nothing. They'd be like, oh, gunshots. It's not what. <laughs> I will say this is, I mean, I know you're not a grizzly show, but every time I hear gunshots, now I'm just like, oh, job. I think of, I think of Jabba Ray and these, you know, you know I'm, just, I'm just saying, I'm not trying to, you know, rain down on him, but yeah, I'm like, oh, gunshots. Oh. <laughs> All right. <laughs> oh, damn. <laughs> well, we were doing that before John Morant come around. Let me just say. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> nah, it's, I know that. I it's know. more of a I, celebration I thing, and, you know, like, yeah. Yeah. but not, yeah. Yeah. not literally shooting anybody. <laughs> That's not oh, of course not. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. Oh, man. Oh, John. Get Get it but I love y'all. Yeah, yeah. Just want him to get better. We're we're rooting for him. Yeah. Hell yeah. Yeah. Facts for sure. Yo, I have one more bro pick before we close. Bro pick goes to the Celtics. Robert Williams. I'm sorry, man. I'm sorry. You can't. Oh, I forgot about that. You can't. You you, you can't. I'm a hit oh. too. Oh, you're talking about uh, Grant Williams. I'm mean, sorry, Grant Williams. I'm sorry. What did, what did you call him? What did, Missing did two clutch free throws <laughs> to lose the game. Had the nerve to talk smack about it like he's about to hit cuff. Oh, at least hit one, though. If you're going to talk smack, at least hit one. Bruh. And I was looking That's forward to, man. oh, yeah, the Celtics are going to take down the Cavs, and we're going to be fourth place. And then, nope. I mean, mm-hmm. but then we lost too, so it didn't even matter. So brought us too. Bro. <laughs> <laughs> oh, started with him though. Huh? <laughs> to be honest, Donovan Mitchell started with him though. He was just responding to, to whatever Donovan Mitchell was telling him. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Hold up though. The way I saw it, he said I'm gonna make both of them to somebody on his on his right. And then Donovan Mitchell came in and said something to him. And then he was like, Yeah, I'm gonna make both of them. So I don't know. I feel like he was saying, I think all the cast players were, you know, heckling him. And yeah, bro, you got You got to have a lot of, you can't say I'm going to make both of them and then not make any. And yeah. the team still <laughs> loses. Yeah. That's, that's, that's why his ass was getting chewed out by uh, Joe Mazzula, you know, when they had to go to another extra session. Like, really? You going to be talking all that confidence? Like, arrogantly, I'm making both. And then now I got to play y'all more? Like after what we've been through the night before, or whatever, Bruh. <laughs> Oh man, Celtics, Celtics looking like food. I'm not gonna lie. I'm not gonna lie. They all look like food. Sure, like food. I'm looking like food. I don't know, man. I take. I think we can take them. I don't know. That's just me. I think we can take. We beat them three times. I know it's the playoffs. It's a different animal. Maybe it's my fandom taking over. 
But mm-hmm. I ain't scared. I ain't sc- I ain't Definitely seven game series. I'm scared of seventy sixers. Scared the Bucks. Not scared of Celtics. <laughs> no, not scared. <laughs> oh man, it's uh, all about matchups. All about matchups. Yeah, it's all about matchups. We match up pretty well, unless they play. If they start playing Al Horford at the five all series, and the coach doesn't adjust, yeah. then it might be a little bit different. Then I can see us being a little bit of trouble. But uh, if uh, if it's yeah. Robert Williams and he matches up with Mitch. Would take, yeah, yo, Mitch is getting abused, getting roasted uh, out on the paint or out on the perimeter. <laughs> he used to run it like that, but yeah, he's, he's yeah. usually just protecting the paint. I was man, that last shot where he closed in on Al Hartford in the corner, I was so happy that he fought his instincts and didn't wasn't deep in the paint like he was most of the game because that, yeah. that would have been bad for us. That we would end up losing that game. And, Double overtime. Yeah, and what that what made it kind of filthy was the fact that like Celtics were running like Al Horford off the of screens too, and have Mitch having to chase them. I was like, yeah. I started passing the games like, really? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. That's great coaching by Joe Mazzula. And I I don't know somebody from the Knicks Film School um, posted it was an interview with Mazzula and somebody asked, yeah, uh, Mitchell did a really great job rip protecting. Um, he was like, uh, no, he didn't. Like, I thought we did a wonderful job, um, you know, getting him out in space and not, you know, not being able to, um, you know, stay in the paint like he used to and run him around. Yeah. Um, and Al Forger took advantage. So, yeah, I'm not, <laughs> not – it was just funny because, like, that definitely was not what happened in the game. <laughs> no, it's not yeah. what happened at all. It's not it's, – and when we went small, we got we got killed when we went small. I thought we would see more run of the five that game, but – I don't want to even get into another whole game breakdown. We're going to end the show. <laughs> that is our show. Let me shout out the people in the chat before we wrap it up. Shout out to Alexander, Picks for Tibby, um, Fritz Alessandor, Pudge, NYC. Everybody rock with the KO2E show. If you like the show, like, subscribe. We here after the, every game talking Knicks basketball. Next game up is we're on a West Coast trip, right? Yeah, Sacramento. Sacramento. Yeah, Sacramento. Sacramento. That's yeah. gonna be a tough one. It's gonna be a tough one. And then Clippers Saturday. Yeah, Sacramento. I'm. Um, that Sacramento offense is, is nothing to sleep on. I'm gonna tell you right now. I think they're like number one offensive mm-hmm. team in the leagues in, in the postseason or something like that. And yeah, and the Knicks were nice pick and roll in the game. Number one fourth quarter team in the postseason. Probably not anymore after today, Bruh. <laughs> not in the postseason after the all-star break i mean yeah yeah but probably not anymore today all right that is our show chris let him know where we can find you sir yeah y'all can find me at uh c williamson 44 on twitter and then on instagram you can find me on c williamson tv9 that's where i get out all my takes and opinions you know post videos of sports and you know my life and all that so that's where y'all can find me um if you're trying to interact and all that all right. Salute to you, Chris. Go check out his channel. Support that man. And thank you for, for coming on and rock with us, Chris. All right. Great. And uh appreciate y'all. Absolutely. It was a wonderful time. Absolutely. Who do who do? Lee, let him know where he can find you. Wanna echo those sentiments. Appreciate having you on, Chris. I uh, want to say congratulations. I know you're recently married. Uh thank you. Very much. This year, that's a blessing to be able to have someone to 
share your life with. Um, I'm very happy for it. Congratulations on that happening for you. And also thanks for coming on the show and bringing your basketball insight. I think you also um, help spark conversation here about social issues around race and class, uh, which I think are equally important to intersectionality of sports. So I always love having a new voice to, to add to that conversation. It's something that we here at KOT take very seriously and try to uh, make a part of all of our dialogues around the Knicks and the NBA. So thanks for having you on. Uh, you can argue and bring the smoke to me on Twitter mm-hmm. at, at underscore Lee Estabito. I'm always down for for a Twitter fight. As Ryan and Jay always knows, I'm not inviting you, Chris, to argue with me, but the rest yeah. of the guys in the chat just type uh, just, Lee just certainly engage me on a daily basis. Search so. bar. <laughs> Lee Bum Knicks and Matt McClung. <laughs> Lee Bum Knicks. Yeah. <laughs> Forget how to spell his name. I, hey, <laughs> whenever I see you in person, uh, I'm gonna be like, "What's up, Bum?" That's um, my guy. My man. Let's go. <laughs> oh, oh, three people, all let's say that you're one of them. <laughs> Who's on the two? My pops would call me a oh, yeah, pops. Pops, uh, about it. Pops and your girl. That's it. <laughs> and and Jay Ellis would call me a pops. Oh, okay, okay. Jay Ellis called me. The That's my big brother. That's my big brother. Man, you you know I won't even use Ryan's it. That's not that's bad. not fair. <laughs> You're Ryan G. Let her know to get by you. Yeah, I'm gonna. Just echo everyone's sentiments. Congrats on the wedding, Chris, and thank you for coming on the show. Truly appreciate it. Um, you can find me on Instagram at Sergi is chilling. Sergi that's S I R G. Yes, that's S I R G C H I L L I. You can also find me at Sergi's Corner. You can also find me on Twitter, right? G K O T. Wonderful. I'm doing that right now, Sergi. We in there? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Oh yeah. All right, so follow, listen, SoundCloud, iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, everywhere you listen to podcasts, listen to KOT Show. Uh, you already know, Snapbacks, thenicktimeshow.com. Let's go there, get, get all the hats, merch, hit catalog, merch is there, cop those. Follow us on Twitter, the KOT Show, Facebook at Nick Time Show, and Instagram at the Nick Time Show as well, do, 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 do. all right, that is a you. You do film too, right, Chris? You what's that? You do film. You like director? Which? Oh, oh, oh um, no, nah, I don't direct. I mean, I produce stuff. You produce, but stuff. uh, yeah, I don't. Uh, I don't film anymore. I used to be a videographer, gotcha. uh, but yeah, not anymore. Gotcha. Yeah, got you. I'm off topic, off topic. My bad. That that's our show. Now you good? <laughs> Thank you guys for watching, and of course you know as always. Shout out the worldwide west. Everywhere we go, we leave a worldwide mess. It's a mess out here in these Knicks YouTube streets. That's our show. We out this mug. Peace. Peace. <laughs> 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 <